What's up, guys? Welcome to our first uh, interview for Nuance and Nonsense. I heard Chris Heaney, my good friend from college, and, uh, and you know Shaney, of course. Um, Shaney Alexis. And so <laughs> we're going to cover a couple of things with Chris. We'll see, uh, we'll see where it goes. And uh, yeah, let's get into it. So we're going to start out with some icebreakers. <laughs> um, just say kind of the first thing that comes to mind. Um, favorite hardware or software that's not like super common. So not like an iPhone. Like that we, that we might not know of or like. Uh, right like now. an app you really like or just anything that comes to mind. Yeah, Ethereum blockchain. Ethereum. <laughs> there we go. He's too smart for me to know what's going on. <laughs> um, we'll go into that later. Um, what's your favorite song of all time? Um, probably let's go with Gorgeous by Kanye West off my oh, good dark, twisted fantasy, whatever that one's I called. Res I respect that choice. I <laughs> really like Kanye's, is it called Runaway? Yeah, that's like the same album. Yeah. I love that song. Yeah. Um, we will have to listen to that later on the way to dinner. Um, your workout food routine, if you have one. Okay. Um, typical meal, typical workout. Yeah. So we'll try to do like intermittent fasting and skip breakfast and then uh, lift, like, you know, normal lift, like bench or pull-ups or squats or something. And then... Is there, is there a gym in this house? I got a 75 pound dumbbell in the, nice. in the garage. <laughs> and a little pull up, like, you know, like the pull up bar that you hang yeah. on the door. And then. Same yeah. <laughs> it's, the, it's the minimal Bible gym. You're doing something, dude. The MVG minimal Bible gym, that's what I've been calling it. Uh, and then I eat like turkey, spinach, and eggs, my go to, for nice. lunch right after that, yeah. Um, <laughs> you see the similarities already. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you guys have a lot in common. Um, typical thing that you wear on a casual day and then also on a more dressed up day. Um, I don't really have dressed up days because I'm a software <laughs> engineer in quarantine. So every day is pretty much like sweatshorts and like a tank top for me. Nice. <laughs> um, uh, this one's kind of random, but who's your celebrity crush? If you could be with any celebrity, who would it be? Who's... Who? <laughs> mm. <laughs> mm. Uh. Megan Fox. <laughs> Megan Fox. Megan Fox. Jennifer no Aniston. Um, uh. Angelina Jolie. Kourtney Kardashian, who really, who really tickles your, your kisser? Oh, uh, man. Um, can't even think of anyone right now. Um, let's go with, let's go with uh, Ari Lennox, my sister's favorite rapper. And I don't even know. I know she's on Spillage Village, and they just came out with the album, so the name just popped into my head. <laughs> Is she a poetry rapper? Uh, I guess kind of, yeah. She she's not the one that dissed. Um, what's J Cole? No, that's no name. Okay. No name. I don't think no name would be into me. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ari Lennox either, but. <laughs> 
What is your favorite like self improvement or philosophy book that you've read? Oh, um. He's read. He reads a lot, so. Damn. Hmm. That's a good question. Um. Something that's not off immediately obvious that I liked. Um, it can be obvious because these people don't know you. Or maybe like, <laughs> not even doesn't have to be something or like like a philosophy, just like a like a, an idea that was helpful to you. This question's hard for me because I haven't read any books since I'm junior high. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm reading, I'm listening to The Ascent of Money right now. It's by this uh, Neil Ferguson, this British guy, and it's just going through the history of money. Um, and I think it's interesting to hear about like the history and evolution of money and it makes some things like kind of make more sense. So like, you know, where do bonds come from? When did the stock market start? Um, so kind of having a conceptual grounding of what money is, I think is What's good. What's that one book that you read that's about the Federal Reserve? The, oh, what's it called? The Monster uh, Jekyll Island or something. Have you read uh, that? The Creature on Jekyll Island. It's about like how the Federal Reserve was formed. Oh, I, I, I didn't even finish it. Because you, he like, it's all he talked about for weeks <laughs> when he was reading it. Yeah. So I feel like you would like that too if you like. I think I talked to you about that. Yeah, you brought you, it up. You, you know, he knows about that. What is it, the ascent, like A-S-C-E-N-T? Yeah, the ascent of money. So those were all my pop questions. So that segment's over. You're off the hot seat. Yeah. <laughs> Cool, cool. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, can you just, can you tell, because obviously I know some of this story, can but uh, Shane doesn't. Can you say what he does? Let, let's first, start. Give him a title, because people don't know, like. Yeah, so so what do you what do you do for work? I'm a software engineer and I work on Alexa. Um, yeah. For Amazon. Yeah. And um, let's start with, because I think it's, I think you're a pretty interesting guy. <laughs> and. Um, so can you just give like a brief walkthrough of like, okay, growing up, you're obviously, this is the house you were born and raised in, right? Mm -hmm. Wrigleyville. Kind of like what it was like growing up here and getting into college and then how'd you get into being a software engineer? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, what were you into as a kid? Kind of, what was that like? Yeah. yeah so growing up. I play like my main thing was I played a lot of basketball um, like that was my main hobby uh, and then I ended up playing for like the JV team at WashU. Um, I went to a public school um, called Lincoln Park and Lincoln Park was cool because it was like pretty diverse background um, it wasn't like all one economic class or you know one race so that is was a lot of diversity question but is that what the like the band, band? no oh. it's not what it's <laughs> that is a common question oh, um so yeah i guess just grow up like pretty serious student athlete my favorite uh subject was, was math um but then yeah i went to wash U, studied uh business um for got my 
yeah, studied business and then after my junior year, got an internship in consulting and then really hated consulting. <laughs> so then kind of decided I needed to figure out uh, something different to do. And, then, and business consulting is where you go in and try to help businesses like pretty much restructure to make more money yeah. and like just run a better business, right? Yeah, exactly. So you go into a company, they have a problem and that they can't figure out uh, for themselves. So then you kind of come up with a proposal. Um, so a lot of people do that right out of school. It's kind of like a common career path. Yeah, well, actually a lot of people go that route, right? Yeah, yeah so it's kind of like, um, it's almost like going in investment banking or going to law school. It's kind of like well trodden ground. So I tried that out because I was in the business school and everyone else was doing it around me. So I was just kind of like, all right, that's what I got to do. Um, and I really didn't like it. And so um, wanted to figure out something else to do. And I had friends that were into computer science. So and but programming. you have homie here too, right? You have your friend here, yeah. yeah. What did you not like about it? I'm going to interrupt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just have you um, expand. Well, being consultant, you have to be like, a lot of it is like, um, I'm, well, there's like the straw man and like of the critique, but that it's pretty much like a lot of sales um, and like relationship building. And so it's, and this is like, you know, the people that will defend that this isn't the case, but um, in the worst case, you're basically just telling your client what they want to hear. So a company has an issue, say two people in the company are disagreeing on what should be done. One of them hires the consulting firm and you come in there and basically mm -hmm. support what they want to hear. And then they can argue to the person they're arguing against, like, look at the consultants told me this. I so. was literally <laughs> thinking like it would be really, um, I guess, what's the word I'm looking at? Like thinking of um, intimidating to come right out of college and then you go into a business with like these higher ups that have been working the job for 20 years know the business better than a college student. To me, that would be really like intimidating to come in and be like, yeah, I'm a young college kid that really has no actual years of work experience well, yeah, for they, your company. And then but, they bill you at like $100 an hour yeah. for your work and you're like an intern basically. And so, and yeah. I mean, even if you are really good at knowing what you, what you do, you're kind of walking on, it seems like you would have to be walking on like eggshells around people because like they, it's hard to make changes in companies even if you work at the company. So I can't imagine like coming in and just like being like, well, this all needs to be changed. You know? yeah. yeah, I mean, I think it's common in business. You see in certain situations, whether it's some type of consulting or not, like people spending more effort on the appearance of work than the work. Yeah. Like they want to have work to show for it, you know, or have some work to show, but they care more about the showing part than actual work. I mean, I see that in what I do too. I mean, to me, it's really interesting that you hooped and then now you're like a software engineer, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like I feel like you've walked these different paths that don't overlap much. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think you're um, so nuanced. Like the uh, name of the podcast, <laughs> the perfect guest. <laughs> uh, what is it? Nuance and nuance and nonsense. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, so, um, so you got so okay. So, so you, after your ju your junior summer, you took the internship and got kind of disenchanted with it. Yeah, 
And was it your fall of your senior year where you started studying? Yeah. I will caveat really quickly that I have friends in consulting and there's a strong case that the consulting comes in and like basically connects information across a big organization and like does get valuable insight. And I think that can be true. Yeah. But even in that case, it's like you're giving advice and then you kind of walk away. So there's no, you don't close the feedback loop. You don't implement what you're doing. And so that was also kind of unappealing. Like I wanted to eventually be like building companies because I thought that sounded interesting and consulting doesn't prepare you for that because there's no closing of the loop of your analysis. So there's a strong and like a weak argument against consulting. It could be better for someone who's more of a big picture person, yeah. you know, than someone that's like an implement person. Like mm -hmm. you seem like you like to like do the dirty work. Almost. So like, with, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, know, to be an engineer, know. like you have to kind of almost. It has to like bother you to not know how things work, mm -hmm. um, and so as a consultant, like you can kind of just get by, give your analysis in, and there's no yeah. I think I would like that because I'm like the type of person that's like. I just want to tell you everything you're doing wrong, mm -hmm. but I don't want to have to do it. Yeah. Like, I don't want to deal with that shit. Yeah. But I wish yeah. I was more like you and actually like wanted to deal with the shit. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't, yeah. Um, I do think after working, I'm working at Amazon now in a bigger company, I think I see more of the value in consulting. Mostly, like in big companies, you get your hierarchy and like you don't necessarily get communication across like the sub components, and so then a consultant comes in. And they might actually be able to see something that the people yeah, in the hierarchy yeah. don't see. So mm -hmm. I'm honestly more bullish on consulting now than I was before, <laughs> but I still didn't like it. Um, yeah. So. Uh, it's yeah. kind of cool, though. You know, it's always nuanced. Yeah. Like it's it's rarely like consulting's bad or it's perfect. You know. Yeah, I want to be cool and bash on them, but you they got yeah. something there. <laughs> yeah. You just didn't personally it's, like like doing it yourself. Yeah. And I yeah. also like I. I mean, I was like 21 and didn't like having to wear a suit every day and thought it was cool that people in tech like seemed more, like it seemed less um, based on uh, how you presented yourself and more, almost meritocratic in the sense of like, if you could yeah. write good code, then that's all that matters. So that appealed to me too. That's very true. Um, but yeah, then senior year I came back, didn't really know what I wanted to do, started having like existential angst and um but yeah i started learning to code took a bunch of cs classes my senior year were you taking like 20 something credits or something like yeah that? i maxed out on the course load because i want to take as many cs and classes you got a minor yeah i got a yeah. minor in cs and then um got a job at a startup in santa barbara called graphic um and started working there as like a product manager kind of role um and then just kept like kind of learning to code on the side and in the job. And then after a year, I moved over to software engineer. And then uh, we were acquired by Amazon. And so then I started being, I was a software engineer at Amazon for the last three years. And so, um, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And um, so like I was saying before, like, like you've walked these different paths that, that, uh, that don't overlap. Like, yeah. And what do you think is a trait that allows you to adapt to different walks of life like that. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. What What do you think you've learned to doing that, and what allows you to do that? Yeah, I think um, 
I think there's actually a lot of similarities. I mean, between basketball and software engineering and the, at the more like abstract level. So uh, for me, like I really like discipline and like having like a routine and like working at something. And so when I was growing up, that was basketball. Like I practice every day. You go out there, like you practice shooting. If it goes in, you know, you keep shooting that way. If you miss, you kind of alter your your, right. your technique. And so there's just like just this exact breaking code or something. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Where and so when I started coding. I kind of fell into that same routine where it's like, okay, I'm trying to get better at a skill. Like try something out. Does it work? Does it not work? Oh, if it does work, stick with it. If it doesn't, pivot. And so it's kind of the same, just like, um, just this focus on like wanting to be good at something. Yeah. Um, and there's definitely like people involved are a lot di different, right? Um, in software engineering and basketball, but it's still very team based. So, you know, being able to be friendly and like get along with people helps in both. So. It's interesting because seemingly way different things involve like these kind of more intangible things that are very similar. Um, yeah, yeah, you're like remembering plays in basketball and then in software you're remembering code. Yeah. <laughs> They're yeah. like languages well, of, I could never remember basketball really plays, I got yelled at. I feel, like, I feel like what you're saying too about just that ability to like pivot, like that's what even, <laughs> that's what even I think allowed you to like a lot of people would, would like, would Maybe. fall into like the sunk cost of like, oh, I studied business for three years and I got a good internship and it's like, uh, I've done so much, like I'm gonna go here. But like, I always was impressed with, with how your senior year where most people are like, okay, I'm gonna get my job and then kind of slack off. It's like, you were like, no, I'm gonna completely do something new, learn like a skill and coding is hard. I mean, <laughs> you yeah. know, it's like a hard, like it's not like, oh, I'm gonna learn, I don't know how to, I don't know. I don't know. It's easy to learn. Honestly, it's worth it. I guess nothing's easy, but bike. yeah, but I just, well, I feel like that same mentality, right? I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I think there's also even similarities between business and, um, uh, business and software. Like they're, they're both, well, at least how they taught business at Wash U, you know, you learned about statistics and, um, you learn about supply chains and operations and supply chains and operations are about like breaking down the production of a, uh, of some good into steps and then you try to optimize the different steps so you learn about things like throughput and capacity of each step and then when you learn about coding like those same words come up right capacity throughput optimization like these things like it's almost like you're kind of learning uh, systems engineering and business and computer software so like systems engineering is up here and then uh, business and and uh, software engineering are just like instantiations of that. And you don't realize yeah. you're learning something more generic, but you really are. Yeah. And so like being able to find the patterns there and be like, oh, I actually already know this. And like when I was in school, they taught it one way, but if you just kind of tweak um, the words, then they're actually talking about the same thing. Um, yeah. yeah. So I don't think it was quite as like big a jump as it maybe seems if you uh, just think about them being like different majors. But right. yeah. Right. So if you, um, since you worked on Alexa, do you have Alexa stuff like all over your house and like, oh wait, like, do you like yeah, do you use it? lights on? Are you like a big, um, <coughs> tech, what do you call it? Like Sam wants his whole house tech someday. Do you have I go that back at and all? forth on it, but I know some guys who do that. Um, I don't have, uh, 
Alexa here. I had it back in Santa Barbara. Um, I'm honestly not super tech forward and like having and like as much tech as possible. Yeah. Um, I'm more just like. Do you do the Apple Watch? I do do the Apple Watch. Yeah. But um, I don't have. I don't really have the killer use case for uh, Alexa in my life, so I don't use it a ton. But I use it all the time at work, so. Yeah. When you so, like, I, and I know you're working on some crypto stuff, kind of in your free time. Yeah. And so, is it? Am I right in saying like that? Since you're doing for your nine to five, you're coding, and then you're also having these these side projects. Am I right in saying that like when you're not doing those things, you kind of just like oh, I kind of want to <laughs> step back and like rip some pull ups or just kind of unplug a little bit? Do you do you? Yeah, I, I agree with that. Like, That's how I feel because I'm I do social media for my job. Yeah. So like, I'm always connected all day. So when I'm not at work, like I, it's a struggle to want to do social media because it's like I have to do this all day. You know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I I agree with that. Uh, I just like to unplug, I guess. Yeah. And so, um, you've explained it to me a little bit. And but I I think it's helpful that Shaney's here because she can kind of come from like a beginner mind. Can you kind of like outline like as if you're explaining to a five year old? What no like for like Reddit, for our audience? I'm a five year old. No, there's a thing on Reddit like that. No, I'm not saying for you. for me. Like I, it's really hard for me to That's understand. That's Michael Scott the other day. Yeah. He was on. He was like, "Can you explain this?" Like I'm seven, and then he goes, uh, "Can explain you explain like, like I'm five? Yeah. Um, but what what are you working on with Ethereum? Mm -hmm. um, that you can say? Can you say? What, uh, it's oh, not for my job. Oh, it's yeah. like a side has project. Crypto, crypto stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's. Uh, how do we start? <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, well, I guess Ethereum is like. You could just think of it as a distributed computer. So like when you have your laptop, you have one computer that's executing. Um, and really what Ethereum is, instead of one, you have like N computers. So, you know, we have like this guy and this guy, and they're all executing the same code. And then when they execute, they check that they all got the same result. Um, so like this guy did two plus two equals four. We checked that all the computers have two plus two equals four. That's like the decentralized part of it. Right, exactly. Five. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Ethereum is just like a, just almost, yeah, distributed computers, a, a solid way to put it for like a five-year-old. And or I guess I wouldn't know what distributed means, but uh, basically you have the same code running on a bunch of computers. Then on top of that, there's um, this thing called decentralized finance, which is DeFi. Um, and so they're trying to build like financial applications on top of this like distributed computer. Um, and one of the things they're doing is called uh, basically decentralized lending protocols. So you have three parties of people here. You have one person who's basically uh, lending out money in Ethereum. You have another person that is uh, borrowing in Ethereum. And then there's this third group of people called liquidators that basically make sure that the borrowers don't have too much, haven't borrowed too much. So um, when someone borrows too much, the liquidator comes in, pays off part of the debt, and gets uh, the borrower's collateral. So when a borrower, I didn't say this, when the borrower goes to borrow, uh, 
they'll get say like $100 of A and they have to be over collateralized, which means they have to put up like $150 of B. So now they have 100, they've taken out 100 of A and put 150 B in. But if the price of A moves up against B, now they have, they're borrowing too much A. So it's a jeopardy to the system. Mm. So the liquidator comes in and like basically says, you're borrowing too much and I'm gonna pay that down and take some of the collateral for myself. And so it's kind of this like ecosystem of uh, different parties are all trying to get different things out of the system and we're trying to build like a liquidator bot that basically watches the ecosystem and if someone borrows too much, we, we like step in and pay off their debts and, and take some is, of their collateral. this is for a specific kind of cryptocurrency? Yeah, so this so is on Bitcoin Ethereum. So Bitcoin doesn't do any of what you just explained? Like, yeah. Or do they have their is, own way of doing that? Ethereum is like a, it's a currency and a protocol, right? Like yeah. A, am I right in saying that? Uh, yeah, uh, or, I mean. Or, that's, or is that Bitcoin? I don't know. <laughs> all of them are protocols. Right. Um, so What's the big difference between Bitcoin and this other one? And why would Ethereum be better than Bitcoin? Um, or yeah, it, like so, maybe it's not better, but why would you think it would be? So um, Bitcoin is really just designed to be a uh, store of value, like it's a currency. Um, where Ethereum is more trying to be like a new almost type of computer. So mm -hmm. Ethereum, like each node in the Ethereum network is actually executing code, like generalized code, like you can write then um, like CS, they're like, it's like Turing complete, which just means you can do anything you can tell a normal computer to do, you can theoretically do on an Ethereum node. Where for Bitcoin, like that, you can't do that. It's just, um, it's, it's just way simpler. Is with Bit the Bitcoin network, is just verifying the blocks basically? Yeah, Bitcoin is like, you just are saying person A gets money from person B, person B gives it to C. And yeah. so it doesn't have the full like expressivity of uh, Ethereum. But that's, that's not necessarily a bad thing. It, it makes Bitcoin more secure. Um, and like, uh, basically by Ethereum being so, uh, being able to like execute any type of code, uh, it's more complex and um, it's not as secure as Bitcoin. So they're, they're kind of, they're different. They're different and Ethereum's things. built on a blockchain? Yeah. As well? Okay. Um, and so, wow, man. <laughs> it's such mind blowing, dude. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty cool. Um, so you guys are trying to create a liquidator bot. Mm -hmm. But it's cool because so uh, this kind of the decentralized lending protocol, usually you have um, in normal finance, you have an institution that basically lends out, lends to borrowers and then those borrowers do short trades and then the lender is the liquidator in, in a centralized institution. Mm -hmm. um, but in this right. case, okay. we're like we're bringing three different parties into it, and so it's um, it's cool, yeah, right. Because like I think what's important to explain to like people who don't understand it, maybe like like just central. If you could just kind of like we're talking about decentralized, right? Like so, centralized would be like a bank, yeah, like Bank of America. So, like they are just they're saying this this is the, these are the transactions, and you have to kind of trust us more or less, right? Mm -hmm. And so, do you, do you get that? Like, so this would just be cutting out the banks. Is that? It's like everybody's. Like he said, it's like so. There, a node is like a server or computer, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's like if you think about it, like thousands and thousands of people with their own computers are verifying the the transactions. This is the same with Bitcoin as well. 
whereas like before, like my my bank would be verifying the transactions, and that's it. Maybe the FDIC or so, but it's like you do you do you, do you see how do there's a problem with that? Do you think banks mess up a lot? Uh, yeah. So like there's the like there's so many canonical examples, but like uh, Wells Fargo like was just making fake accounts under people's names um, to like boost their stats. That happened in the last couple of years. Yeah. yeah um, I mean, there's there's normal like commercial banks, and then there's the Federal Reserve, and so right now the Federal Reserve basically increases the money supply, like to combat COVID. But what that does, it means like the dollars in everyone's pocket are like. Decrease in value. So a big, like Bitcoin popped up in like two thousand and I think nine or eight, right? Around, yeah, right around the financial crisis. So um, and a big part of it was like fear of how like central banks can inflate away money. Yeah. Um, and so usually a centralized solution is good, and there's not that much risk there. It's in like the the edge case where they do like misabuse, like abuse their power. That's when you wish you had a decentralized solution where like no one has that much power to like kind of screw everyone else right. over. Right. So people are really excited about Bitcoin right now because like the Fed is basically inflating or yeah. they're adding so much money. I guess inflation isn't here yet, but people are saying it's going to be here. Right. Right. And yeah, and that's like the what you're saying. The book that I read it talks about. This book was written in like the 90s or something, it's before Bitcoin, but basically I guess what we're seeing, if tell me if I'm wrong, is like now we have the, the technolo technological capabilities to have a decentralized system that works, right? Yeah. And it's decentralized currency, like, cause with Bitcoin too, it's, it's the thing with Bitcoin is right, is like you can make these anonymous transactions like instantly for a super low cost mm -hmm. and no one like, or everyone can see the data, but it's but it's still anonymous. Like you don't necessarily know who's who, right? Yeah, there's there's ways that they can kind of uh, trace uh, with your IP address, I guess. Would be or cool. like you have an address in Bitcoin, and like you do transactions, and they can kind of like start to infer who you are from those at like who what the address is and the who the addresses are spending to each other. Right. So once you find out who maybe like what what one address, what person that is and you see who other people are interacting with the address, they like can figure that out. So one critique of Bitcoin is actually not anonymous enough. And so oh. there's like then additions to Bitcoin, like there's this thing called Zcash where it's like, you can't track from one address to the, like one transaction to the next who people are. And like, so there's- Is it like a- More uh, privacy there. Like a proxy almost for Bitcoin wallets? Um, <laughs> or what's yeah. that called? Like a VPN, like where it's almost, I honestly never have looked into Zcash how it works, but I think that's uh, yeah, roughly how it works. And so, okay. Yeah, a lot of people about are worried now that like no one's using cash anymore because like they're really pushing like everyone to use a car because of the virus. That like people are just worried about you know people having our digital number of what we like right. have in our bank account, you know. Well, like, yeah, yeah. And so Bitcoin, that's, so Bitcoin, one of the critiques is that it's not anonymous enough, but it's still much more anonymous than like my Charles Schwab account, right? Yeah. Because Charles Schwab is just like, oh, we have this guy's address, social security number, where he lives, every transaction he's made. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, and that's, and that's, 
like written into law. Like there's a like know your customer uh, law. I don't know the exact what the exact law is, oh, but the government right. basically forces banks to know like everything about the customer and all how all the customers are interacting so that they can flag like any suspicious activity. Right. Like that popped up, I think after like 9-11, they said, you know, terrorists are using the banks to fund each other. And so we want to know every transaction coming through the bank. And so they know like your email, your phone number, where you live and who you're transacting with. Um, and so one, one other thing that like people talk about Bitcoin is, you know, you don't need, like, uh, you don't need all this, uh, you don't need an address or an email to use Bitcoin. Like, but to use banks, like you do need that. So in other countries where people don't have those forms of ID, those people are unbanked because the banks say like, right. we have this regulation that we need to fulfill or we're not going to do business with you. And so like people in uh, poor countries don't have essentially the identity necessary to use the banking industry. So okay. yeah, like, I mean, people who are like Bitcoin maximalists are like, we're gonna like serve the unbanked, which yeah. Well, and then well, it's and it's like in some countries, right? Like I know in Venezuela, like there's like the, the, I don't know about now, but in recent history, there's been like such hyperinflation, right? Right. Where it's like people, like imagine if imagine if you and I were married, retired, and it's like we had two million dollars in the bank, and it's like within three months, it's worth a hundred grand or something. Like that's that's what was happening to people more right. or less, and so. It's it's like people in the U.S. I feel like don't see it as well because we're like like we think of the money we have in dollars as being pretty safe, but in other countries like your life savings could just suddenly be worth a yeah. third of what it is. You know, that's that, scary. That's that's the main benefit of Bitcoin is it's it's basically code that's run by a distributed network of nodes and the code can't change. So the code says there's only gonna be 21 million Bitcoins in supply ever. Right. And so there's no way anyone can come in and change the number of Bitcoins. And so it's it's not inflationary and that's why people like, like it. It's like, okay, every node's guaranteed to run the same thing and because of like economic incentives, like they won't stop, they won't, uh, stop running it so we can just basically bank on there being 21 bitcoins forever yeah. and so that's why now everyone's like all right even though bitcoin's super volatile it's like an inflation hedge yeah because and would am i wrong in saying that like the price of bitcoin is volatile because the world's volatile but bitcoin is actually super stable right like our interpretation of what the value is is what's really volatile. Yeah, the money, but the, the money supply is like stable, completely steady. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, there's a formula that predicts like there's not actually 21 million bitcoins yet. Right. It, they're still adding new ones, but like the formula for its supply and minting is well defined and it won't change. So that's stable. Like remember, Shane was telling you, I was like, oh, we gotta buy some because it's about to have mm -hmm. the happening. They call it where it's what's like the rate of, that they're. Mind. Yeah. So, do you personally buy Bitcoin? Uh, yeah. Have, yeah. And do you also do you invest like on Robinhood or anything? Are you into that? Uh, yeah, I don't use Robinhood, but yeah, I've been investing. I, yeah, yeah honestly, since use, COVID, I've gotten way more into investing. At all? I just use my Chase account to buy like stocks and stuff. So I'm definitely very freaked out about the whole inflation. Um, yeah. with uh, COVID and so 
Do you, have, do you have any gold bars? Do you buy any gold bars? <laughs> I don't have any physical gold bars, which I know you're supposed to, but I do own like uh, ETFs that track gold. Um, I'm not so bearish on the world that like I think I'll need physical gold. <laughs> <laughs> but I do, I do think gold. Yeah, I do. Um, I think it'd be kind of cool though to have in your house as like decor. It's yeah. Like a <laughs> yeah, it's been such a weird year. Like, because like I hear a lot of people going like, oh, well, the economy's doing great, you know, because they just see on the news like, oh, the you know the S and P five hundred went up three points this week or yeah. whatever, and it's like I don't know that much about it, but to me it seems like it's kind of like propped up on this like shaky thing that the Federal Reserve is basically printing money to, to bail out these banks more or less because they're lending too much money, right? It, it's just, I don't know. I yeah. got more into, um, I'm not really super knowledgeable about stocks and stuff, but during quarantine, like when stocks started to go down, I bought some like really risky stocks, like like Carnival and like- and Like um, Boeing you bought and they all, yeah. like, they were good buys, right? I mean- um, They were, they went all went up and then I mean, I still haven't lost any money yet. Like, they're up like sixty. Yeah. I I made like sixty dollars so far, but nice. Yeah. That's good though. Do you do you uh, with your investing? Do you like try to like make any like risky plays, or are you just more like a slow and steady like wait out the market kind of guy, which is what everybody tells you to do. I mean. Uh, yeah, I'm not that risk. Well, I guess it you depends. I mean, crypto, now that, some people would say crypto yeah, is risky. Yeah, some people think yeah. crypto is super risky. So I think relative to a lot of people, I own a lot of crypto. It was like a percentage of the money of my like wealth is in crypto. So yeah. we'll see. Like that could go to zero, but I'm just like a believer, so I don't think it will. Yeah. Um, otherwise, I'm I'm pretty risk averse. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, that's a good point. It's about perspective. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you're making me want to buy Bitcoin again. <laughs> I had a random question for you. Do you like Santa Barbara or? Chicago better because you grew up in Chicago and now you live in Santa Barbara. Mm -hmm. What's what do you like about both and what you don't like? Um, I like Santa Barbara is um, just like so much nature and uh, like you're in between the ocean mountains and it's great weather. Um, and so that's just like it's great place to be like healthy and <laughs> like just post up. So I really like that. I mean, Chicago's like a city and has way more energy. And I grew up here and like more diverse. I mean, there's no diversity in Santa Barbara. And I guess, yeah, there's not as much diversity there and there's less going on. Um, Santa Barbara was great after school. Like I was learning to code and like there's really not that much to do in Santa Barbara, like relative to a city. So it was like a good place to focus and yeah. like, kind of get my stuff together. But I mean, I think I like most about Santa Barbara is just like going on hikes and like, yeah, just hanging out at coffee shops, like the premier place to do that. Um, yeah. What do I like more? I don't know if I can answer. Santa Barbara is definitely up there with Chicago now in mm -hmm. my mind, but they're way different. Yeah, Chicago is like home, but Santa Barbara is like where, like, where you're loving right now, I guess. Yeah, and yeah. Like Santa Barbara's, now I almost feel nostalgic, like towards Santa Barbara's like, oh, I had these like times there where like I learned a lot and grew and then I feel like COVID hit and now like I'll never have that period of time again. So I'm already like nostalgic about Santa Barbara. And um, 
where, uh, so are, are you, did you get your master's or you're studying at your master's, right? Yeah, I'm doing part-time school. Okay. And, um, you know, so you've been working at, you well, you're working at Graphic, but acquired by Amazon, and you've been there a few years. Like, what's kind of like the long-term, you know, because I just know that you... <laughs> Don't you, have a girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get any ideas. <laughs> Uh, what, where do you, where do you like, what are you working towards? Is there any specific thing where you're like, oh, I want to start my own software company one day, or I want to, you know, I want to make a living off of blockchain consulting, or I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Do you have, do you have like a goal like that in mind, or are you just at a point where you're just like, man, I, I'm interested in these things, and I think I want to learn about them, or? Yeah, I don't have like a definitive plan, and I'm not like. I feel like I change my mind on things like every day. So I don't know. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm studying um, math part-time. So taking like uh, math classes. And I just think math is kind of like the language that engineering is baked in. So I just want to get as strong a foundation in math just as, so I can like be as good an engineer as possible in like whatever direction that takes me. So that's kind of like a you know, trying to like level up my skills. And I think, yeah. I mean, I think math is just like, uh, it's kind of like the language that like nature, like that we used to describe nature. And so it's like really, yeah, it's uh, interesting to me to study. But then like, so sometimes like, oh, I want to just focus more on like school and like learning about like, you know, uh, kind of just math and different types of engineering. And then other time I'm like, Oh, crypto is taking over the world. Like, I need to go tip work for a crypto startup. Like, this is the the future. Yeah. And so it goes back and forth every day. And sometimes I'm like, oh, I should just like keep working at Amazon indefinitely. And it's like, you know. Yeah. So yeah. it's just like a cycle. But <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, just trying to take it, I guess, day by day. Yeah. Because um, it seems like I don't know you compared to other people I know who like are maybe I would say like ambitious. With, with their time and projects and stuff. Like it's for you, it's always just seemed like, like kind of like natural. Like you're not like trying to be the crypto guy or trying to be a math fucking wizard, you know? But it's well, like- I'm trying. <laughs> but it's like, you, know, you just like, you just are. Like you just, you just like doing it and are just like, it's not about like the result as much it seems like as just like the process. You're yeah. the process. Yeah, I know that's like corny, but it is corny, but I think uh, the, I like this guy Naval on Twitter, the dude, sorry, Angelus, and oh, yeah. we talk about him, but he talks about how like you want to do something where it looks like work to other people, but it's really play for you. <laughs> and like as much as I can, I try to organize like my life so that I'm doing things I'm interested in. So, yeah, um, that's yeah. awesome. That, and not ideally, like you're interested in things that you can, you know, make a living doing. Like, luckily, I like like math and engineering stuff, so like that's fortunate. But what about um, me? It's I want to be a YouTuber, and it looks like play to everybody, but it feels like work. <laughs> I think I've got the opposite thing going on. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> um. Our reservations at four, so we yeah, so we gotta wrap up. That's a that good was good. It's it a good joke to end on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for watching. Thanks, so yeah. Thanks so much for doing this. I know yeah. that like 
you've probably never done a podcast before, so, and I know we don't have a lot of viewers, so it's not like you're getting a bunch of clout, but thank you for being a, a player, I guess. I, get, I didn't yeah. say anything that could get me fired, so. <laughs> That's a win. Yeah, me neither. I told my boss I was gonna be on the, on the podcast, and he was like, send it to me, and I was like, hope I don't say anything stupid. <laughs> See you guys later. Hi.